Hello! Hey, what's up everybody? This is Mike McDonald, also known as the Rambler, host of the Rambler Podcast. This is the first episode, so welcome. Uh, I don't know if you can tell I'm a little bit under the weather right now. I just took a long trip, and by long, I mean long in length of the flight to Korea. Anybody who's made that trip before knows exactly what I'm talking about. So it's 14 hours there and 14 hours back for a total of 28 hours of traveling for a total of two days on the ground. Uh, which is really, really short. Uh, I was there on business, sadly, so I didn't get a whole lot to uh, do sightseeing-wise, but I did get to uh, meet and greet a couple of friends that I have uh, living over there, and that was a good time. In any case, this is the uh, first episode, the primary episode, the primer, the primary, the first, the initial episode of the podcast. Uh, today's interview, we're going to be talking with Danny Mayori, and by we, I mean the royal we, as in really just me, it was just me and him, but you know, it's there, it's, you're there too, listening right now, in your car, on the treadmill, on the train, at home, cleaning the house, I don't know what you're doing, uh, but I hope that you are paying attention to this, because uh, Danny's a good guy, he is the president of Also Known As in New York, an adoptee uh, organization. That's been around uh, almost for 20 years now. We're going to be having the uh, 20-year anniversary. Again, I say the we in the royal we sense. We're going to be having the 20-year anniversary of uh, AKA coming up next year. I think it's in April. But uh, he'll talk more about that. He's got a very interesting story and a really nice guy. And I'm glad I got to sit down and talk with him. In any case, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the podcast since uh, you don't know what you're tuning into yet. And that might be an issue for some of you. Because uh, you don't know what you're getting into. And you know what? That's okay. Because uh, I don't know what I'm getting into either. This is a new, scary, fun, exciting, filled world. Excitement filled world? Exciting filled world? Uh, of uh, adoptee-centric talk about international adoptees. Now, I'm going to be honest. Putting this... Uh, <coughs> oh, God. See? See? Do you, see, do you hear that? That's... that's God, I hope it's not MERS. I was Googling MERS after I came back from Korea because you come back. And they're like, are you experiencing these symptoms? And they're exactly like cold symptoms. It's like lightheadedness. Uh, there are fevers and chills, so I guess it's more of like a flu-like symptom. But I have more of a cold-like symptom where it's like a post-nasal drip. And you can hear it. It's like a sinus infection. Uh, and a cough. And so I started Googling that. And of course, when you start Googling it, then... That's exactly what you're gonna get. You're gonna you're gonna think, oh God, I have MERS, even though I know that I haven't been in contact with anybody like with these symptoms, except on the plane. Everybody has these damn symptoms. Uh, which brings me back to the point about the Rambler podcast. Uh, the Rambler podcast is called that because there's a little bit of rambling going on. It's a little ADHD, uh, which is, if you know me, if you know me, then you know my personality. I'm a little bit ADHD, and you're going to have to uh, deal with that uh, throughout this podcast. And I'm not sure if that's a symptom of adoption, or if this is some manifestation of adoptee issues that I've been harboring for 30 years now, but uh, maybe uh, on one of these episodes we'll talk with a uh, clinical psychologist who specializes in these things, and you can all benefit from hearing their diagnosis of me. Uh, and if you have ADHD too, possibly, uh, maybe go talk to somebody, uh, about that, like I'm not currently doing. Uh, but anyways, yes, this podcast, uh, is going to be about adoptee-centric issues, and we're going to be interviewing 
uh, adoptees and uh, people surrounding adoption, whether they be adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents or clinical psychologists or whoever that may have specialized in uh, adoption. Maybe we, if we're lucky, we can even get some uh, people from uh, some agencies or social workers or whomever who have specialization in the, uh, these issues, and they can talk a little bit about their side of the story. Now, springboarding off of that, I, I want you to know up front, I want you to know up front right now, and by up front I mean four and a half minutes into this podcast already, that you might be offended by what you hear. You might be. There's a good chance you're going to be offended by what you hear on this podcast, and that's okay. It's okay to be challenged mentally and emotionally. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you hear me? Uh, people might not have the same views as you. And that's all right. That's okay if they don't have the same views as you. Because that's what life is, man. That's that's exactly what the world is all about. Uh, and so you just, you're just you going to have to deal with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't mean to be offensive. I, I don't think anybody on the podcast means to be offensive. But, you know, there's no reason for you... Uh, for them to hold back because you know what people have been holding back and people continue to hold back for their whole lives and that's that's some bs sometimes okay and i'm gonna call that out so uh with that being said this is the uh, inaugural episode of the uh, rambler podcast i hope you guys keep listening uh and we're gonna go to the uh the first guest of the rambler podcast he took a big chance by being on the show with me I went to his apartment over in uh, Queens, New York, to interview him. I hope you enjoy it. This is Danny Maiori. Maiori, it's an Italian name. Uh, who's the president of also known as in New York. Enjoy. How was apple picking? Um, oh, well, okay. So apple picking was okay. It was it became this weird thing with like. So I invited a group of friends uh-huh. and included some people who were kind of like casual acquaintances. Yeah. And then like my actual friends kind of backed out. And then <laughs> so for, you just were there with well, but then the, yeah. So then there's this girl that like I know from college, but we don't like we don't know each other that well. Uh-huh. And then she was like, she's like, oh well, you know, like there are a bunch of my friends who want to go. And so it ended up being like me and her and then like all of her friends. But initially it was supposed to be like me and my friends and then like her. yeah, yeah. Um, but it was good. It was good. I um, I mostly just ate apple cider donuts. <laughs> I had like seven of them. Nice. <laughs> um, and then I brought some home and then I ate the rest last night. So, How many donuts did you eat? I, well, I bought a dozen. So you ate the whole yeah, dozen? Yeah, so I ate the whole dozen in a day. That's okay, because you're, yeah. like, doing Tough Mudders and I guess, stuff. I guess. So. I guess. I mean, when there was, like, one left, I kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> just, like, you're just, like, sad, but also, like, I'm not going to be defeated. I know. I was like, well, I was like, if I finish this, then it erases any evidence that there were any here. <laughs> so. Well, you don't... So your roommate moved out. Yeah. Who's going to see that, you you know... Now, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was, like, it was, it was like a, a personal shame. shame. It was definitely a shame to, like, having eaten that many donuts in one day. So you just, like... <laughs> So you went apple. Where did you go apple picking? Um, oh my god, what is it called? Um, oh, I forgot the name of it, but uh, it's uh, it's up kind of near-ish Breakneck Ridge. I don't even know where that is. Yeah. So, anyways, well, you take the Metro North like an hour and fifteen minutes up. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it's fun. It's um. What stop do you get off on? It was the the name of the stop was the um. Oh, what's it called? See how much I forgot everything already. <laughs> 
Um, it's like the name of the stupid orchard. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it was the Harvest Moon Farm, and the stop was the oh the Croton Croton Falls. Oh, Croton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's uh, yeah. that's like on the east side of the river, like across from like, is it north or south of like Ossining? I don't know. This is like the second time I've been like, <laughs> there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so so how did you find the place was it you uh, I, well so a couple of my friends had gone before and they had taken a bunch of pictures um, oh yeah and I was like oh it looks like super fun let's like let's do that alright yeah it was just an excuse to get out before the weather gets too yeah crappy, yeah you know, kind of get into nature a little bit but alright yeah. yeah so oh yeah so uh, at the writers workshop the other yeah. night so I tweeted at uh, Tracy to be like, "Hey, yeah, I really liked uh, her reading, yeah, yeah. your reading, and everything like that. Like, would you want? Would you ever want to do an interview?" And yeah. She was like, "Yeah, sure, DM me." And then like, that's awesome. Her uh, the publisher of her book retweeted it and like favorited it and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so hopefully you'll have something lined up. That's there. cool. That's cool. You're gonna be you're gonna be famous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, super super famous. Well, so. Uh, you had to duck out that night, right? I did. Um, I had made dinner plans. Oh. Um, and so I... Okay. Yeah, so I had to go to that, but I wanted to stop in and just kind of support since we were yeah. co-sponsoring. Yeah, co-sponsoring. Yeah, and, um, and then also uh, I had some, like, AK business stuff to, to do. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, one. I mean, one of the things that we're really trying to do this year is to do more with other organizations okay other yeah partners. so like sure. so um so we did this with the um asian american writers workshop mm-hmm. and then we're doing a, a networking event with um the young korean american network okay um so why can yeah why yeah. can um and they actually just posted the save the date on facebook when's um, that coming up it's gonna be on november 14th okay and it's um oh yeah okay yeah and it's gonna be um it's gonna be a little bit different than just like a networking event and mm-hmm. so we have a, a woman mm-hmm. by the name of cynthia greenwalt who's gonna be doing a um like a networking seminar, so it's gonna be interactive, kind of talking about the science and the art of networking. Okay. Um, and she, um, yeah, and so she does this professionally, and so we're we're partnering with them to kind of, you know, combine two different uh, groups and kind of. Yeah. You know, I, I think you know why can't used her before, so I think a lot of their members have mm. taken advantage of, of her resources. But awesome. I'm hoping that um, some AKA people will. Yeah, that'll be good. Some benefit from that. I think that'll be good. Well, who did we? Uh, who did AKA co-sponsor the? Uh, Asian American Writers Workshop with was that FCC? Is that what I heard? Um, sure. <laughs> I, I actually, no, no. So I don't know who else was involved. It, it really was a last minute. You know, one of the, and one of the things that we're really trying to work on is to so this this workshop uh, or that event, the adopting identity event, I guess had been planned for a while. Uh-huh. They had been talking about it for months, and we yeah. weren't really brought in until the end. Okay. Um, and one of the things we're trying to change is so that we're an organization they think of right away before right. they start planning these things. Yeah, especially um, something like adopting an identity yeah, as a theme. Yeah, right? so uh, so we kind of jumped in late late in the game uh-huh. um, and, uh, and you know, and they were very gracious about getting us involved and including us and, yeah. and all that. But by that point, it was like everything had already been planned. It was more of a, you know, just reaching out to our members to get them to go uh-huh. and kind of lending our name to, yeah, it's um, good. to the event. So is this, do you feel like, so do you feel like this is uh, your big push as, as president of AKA now? Is um, that I think it's part of it. I mean, cause, uh, you know, one of the big things that I tried to start, um, we started a little bit when we had our board retreat was to do a five-year strategic plan. Oh, um, okay. And yeah, that's to, different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but largely because um, I think we're starting to see some of the, um, 
some potential issues. For example, um, you know, while the majority of our membership is uh, our Korean adoptees, we are an mm-hmm. international adoptee organization. Of right. Anyone who's been, um, you know, but um, uh, it, it, we, you know, there's a lot of um, dynamics with, you know, while we are, are open to all international adoptees, um, you know, I think one of the, the huge benefits of organizations like us and, and other international adoptee organizations is uh, for adoptees to find a space where they can connect with kind of their culture yeah. and their history. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately we don't have a lot of that, you know, you know, as much as we want to offer services for, you know, Chinese adoptees or Ethiopian adoptees or Colombian adoptees, unfortunately we don't have the capacity to really identify like what, what it is they want mm-hmm. or what it is they're, they're looking for, or they need. And yeah. we, we also don't have the community for them. Um, so, I mean, that is one thing that we're trying to remedy. Although uh, the reality of it is, is that, you know, 90% of our membership is our Korean adoptees. Sure. Um, that being said, uh, with international Korean adoption, um, you know, every year is less and less and less. Um, we see that in the future, we will get to a point where mm-hmm. we essentially don't have a new membership um, yeah. flow. Yeah, yeah, we're only going to get, you know, it's going to be fewer and fewer people who are mm-hmm. kind of coming of the age where they would be involved in an organization like this. And so it's about deciding um, how do we grow with that? Like, do yeah. we just keep you know, kind of keep doing what we're doing. And at some point, maybe AKA is no longer relevant and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, if it served its purpose while I was here, um, or do we readjust and become a thing for, you know, um, families of, of adoptees or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just branching out to make connections, you know, um, in the Korean American community and, and see, you know, if it's, if our role is more about bridging cultural gaps on that sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think we know what the answer is yet, but um, I think by creating these partnerships, we'll hopefully kind of make our yeah. way there. And, you know, I was uh, talking with some of the mentees or the mentors yesterday mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, because some of them are coming in from Boston now mm-hmm. or they were coming in from Hawaii and all these other places. And they're finally landing in New York and involved with AKA. And it was just like, well, did you talk with Kahi when you're out in Hawaii mm-hmm. or were you part of BK when you're in Boston? They were like, actually, we didn't even know those groups existed yeah. when they were there. And I was like... I find that even in a place like New York, where there is a large concentration of adoptees, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the membership is still relatively low. But I, I'm trying to figure out with them, you know, is it because they're turned off by the idea of exploring their adoption issues, or is it a lack of aware, like a general lack of awareness? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I think there's there's definitely. I think you know, for me, I didn't know this existed until I looked for it, uh-huh. um, and I kind of wasn't. Um, you know, so uh, so there was that. So I think you know part of also this kind of marketing thing by you know by partnering with Asian American Writers Workshop, yeah. why can it just kind of our name just gets kind of put out there? It's uh-huh. like, you know, it just is so simple that when you Google us, like we will start popping up on more you yeah. know, on more things. Um, so I think there there's there's that piece. Um, I also think with you know major cities, um, New York uh, especially, there's so many, you know there's so many things to do and so many things that kind yeah. of take up your time. Like yeah. you know we we say a lot like you know with our with our Facebook group and um, with our mailing lists, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of people that we reach, but Mm -hmm. there may be about a hundred people who actually come to stuff, you know, somewhat regularly. That's a pretty big number. I think that's a pretty big number. Yeah, yeah, it is. is. Um, But when you think of like the reach um, that we, you know, that there there are tons of people who just, you know, you know, they get our newsletter or they're all, you know, they're members of the group or something Uh like that, but then they never come to any, you know, events, which, which is fine. Um, but, um, but, you know, but it's also kind of identifying, well, why aren't you coming? Is it because that, you know, you are only looking for things that are social or you think we're too social or you're only looking for things that are, you know, discussing, you know, identity and culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and you think we're doing too much of that or too little of it or, 
Um, and so we really are, are trying to make an effort to create like a, a diverse program set so that, you know, we have the things that are just social. If people just feel like, hey, I just want to meet a bunch of like Korean people who aren't going to be speaking Korean or, <laughs> yeah, sure. or if I, you know, or like, but I, or I want to actually go and hear from, you know, someone who's done research on adoption uh-huh. and can talk about, um, you know, mental health issues or, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, all of that. So it's that balance of like also not spreading ourselves too thin, but making sure mm-hmm. that there's something for, for everyone at every, at every set. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. So wait, we're going to go back a little bit. Okay. We're going to back it up uh, very far. So you were, where were you born? Okay. So, um, it's, well, let me preface this by, I, I have not done much in the way of kind of like uh, looking into my adoptive history. Okay. Uh, so, um, that's all right. Yeah. All my, all my paperwork, my passport, everything says I was born in Seoul. Uh-huh. So I will take it, you know, for what it is. On face value. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, and you know, it could be true. I, but I, but I, I, it, I've met a lot of people who just kind of like that is the default mm-hmm. sort of, you know, um, yeah. And, okay. And who are you also known as? <laughs> uh, oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, so for me, like I guess, uh, I guess maybe the movie story of this uh, goes better if I kind of go through the, the whole history, I guess, of, of the adoption. Yeah. I guess from what I do know. So I was adopted from Seoul. Uh, I was about two, two and a half um, when I was adopted. Uh, my adoptive mother is Japanese American, okay. and my father is Italian and Mexican. And I grew up in Southern California, which has a huge Asian population. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, in fact, I, I once was curious and I Googled um, the city I grew up in was Torrance. Um, and it has the largest per capita population of um, Japanese Americans and Asian Americans in the U.S. Even uh-huh. even including Hawaii? Uh, I, oh, continentally U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's uh, because uh, Honda headquarters is there. Uh-huh. Like there, you know, it's a, there's a huge, and there's a, my mom is actually from Hawaii. So there's a huge kind of like Hawaiian contingent that, okay. that, that moved there as well. Sure. Um, and so I grew up, um, you know, my best friends growing up were like Korean and Japanese. And um, That's awesome that yeah. you had that experience. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because like, so, you know, and my mother being, uh, being Asian American, like I kind of, I, in a lot of ways, I would say that I uh, identify as an Asian American before I do an, as an adoptee, uh-huh. just because, um, you know, growing up, like, no one ever asked me, like, oh, are you adopted? Like, they, you know, they would kind of I guess my, why would they, right? Yeah, they would see my family, and, um, you know, a lot of my friends had, um, you know, step-parents and things like that, uh-huh. and um, I had a lot of friends who were, you know, hoppa, who were, like, half, so it was kind of, like, it wasn't you know, totally kind of out, out of the realm of possibility. That Do you I, think they, they realized you were adopted or? No, you know, I, I had a lot of friends who until way later on, they were like, or even just like recently, like I'll post stuff about like AKA and they're like, they're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I didn't even yeah. know. I mean, yeah, it was, so that just being adopted was just not part of my identity at all growing up. Like I, um, you know, I it just wasn't an issue. Yeah, it just was. It was just something that it just wasn't brought up, and yeah. you know, and I think my parents came from a generation where it was like a, all about assimilation, you know, in, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. And so they, you know, they were like, well, if no one's asking questions, like he'll adjust, and there's there's not going to be any. Do you think your problems. mother's experiences uh, kind of form that in her to be like it's just easier if we assimilate? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, her, um, you know, her parents were were you know grown adults in the u.s during world war ii and uh-huh. um so i think you know she is definitely aware of kind of like that cultural like there was that like, culture of the like you know we're going to be american and like her her parents um were fluent in japanese um but they purposefully did not teach their children 
um, yeah. Japanese. Um, but, um, so yeah, so, you know, I think that was, um, that, that was interesting and a little different. I've met a few other um, adoptees who grew up in like either partly Asian households or Asian households. And um, it's a, it is an interesting dynamic uh, of, you know, I think uh, a lot of the identity issues and, and things that a lot of, um, you know, Korean adoptees have is, is from that kind of like being other and kind of yeah. not realizing until later on that, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm not actually white. I'm, you know, this and yeah. all that. So I didn't have that, um, that piece of it, but, um, you know, I, I did, uh, come out as gay at a pretty young age. Um, uh, I was, uh, I was like 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And so where I find kind of my parallels is kind of in my journey of figuring that out yeah. to kind of the adoptee, you know, cause you know, that was like, I grew up in a very conservative, um, household. My parents are, mm-hmm. um, our relationship now is not great. Um, largely because of, uh, kind of the religion. Oh, like okay. That. So, so, um, so yeah, so I can find parallels there, but when it comes to just kind of strict, like adoptee issues i'm still really learning sure. and that's one of the things that um kind of in this uh position i've really tried to make an effort to um get feedback from other people and see like what are the things that yeah. that you guys think about and talk about and um and it's uh it's it, at times it can be really overwhelming um because mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of stuff that i haven't really thought about and then i start to you know i overanalyze everything so i start to think well oh well, maybe that's why i did like you know blah blah it's because you know yeah, i think issues. that's normal though right <laughs> everybody does that it's like well maybe and you know i think especially uh being a teen mentor and having started that program with me and everything like 10 years over 10 years ago now and then being a youth mentor you look back and you're like uh oh, did i did i do these things when i was a kid yeah. and like why why is that and i yeah. used to do the speakers bureau too and i'd go to all these places yeah. like nyack which is close to where i live now yeah. Um, and you would get questions from parents and they seem kind of like off the wall questions, yeah. but I guess it would be normal to be like, well, cause they're peer, they, I, I think from their point of view, they're peering into somebody who's like, oh, this is like how my kid's going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. So it was like maybe an insight into why they're behaving a certain way right, or, right. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's interesting. So, um, I did a speaker's bureau thing, um, last year around this time, which I have actually asked um, if we could set some people again so we can talk about that. Sure. Uh, this is done. But uh, yeah, so it was interesting. You know, I that was one of my very first things uh, that I did when I was on the board. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of things they would ask, you know, they'd be like, oh, like my kid is like, you know, like I put him in like uh, Korean language classes and he hates them. And, you know, at what point do I like, yeah. you know, am I like pushing culture on him and blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, and to me, it just kind of came down to this thing like, you know, I think all kids, they like no kid wants to go to school. Like, like, I don't. I don't think it has anything to do sure, with like yeah. the culture. You know. And then they ask stuff about like, you know, how much should like, you know, we like make sure that they have like Korean friends or Asian friends and blah blah and like and sports and you know kind of all these things. And I was like, you know, when I was growing, I mean, you know, I can't speak for myself, but when I was growing up, it was just it was more about just like I was friends with like the kids I swam with or the kids that I was like you know play soccer with or was in band mm-hmm. with or whatever it was. It was like. Um, yes, I think you should be cognizant of like, you know, providing an environment for your child. But I think, I think in some ways they're almost being like hyper aware of like trying to create something or like, oh, well, my child is, um, you know, hates this because of this. But it's like, no, I think it's just a kid. And I think that's yeah. like all yeah. kids kind of have these like similar. Some of them, like, yeah. So the parents, I would get like a lot of questions about, uh, like, oh, do you think my kid's acting out because it's an adoptee yeah. issue yeah. or identity <laughs> issue and this, that. And I'm like, I think that some of these problems are just teenager yeah. problems <laughs> yeah. or kid problems, yeah. right? Like every teenager is like, I hate you and I wish yeah. I was never born into this family. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, there's a yeah. parallel that like, I wish I was never adopted yeah. in this family yeah. or I wish I was never yeah. adopted. Yeah. But it's like, that's, they're, they're, 
they're swinging at the same yeah. thing, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and I get that you know it, it might sting a little more as a parent. Yeah, um, yeah. You know because you know, but um, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, because I, I had a discussion with a, this woman. Um, she's uh, she's from the UK. And she's she's doing some research on providing like post adoption services in the mm-hmm. UK uh, for like transracial adoption. And um, you know, I uh, and I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, you know, so I was having a conversation with her about. Um, Oh, just like in um, parents being prepared, um, mm-hmm. you know, for this kind of stuff. And I think um, I'm meeting more parents now who seem like they've actually put some legitimate thought into kind of, um, you know, uh, adopting children who, not just international adoption, but adopting children who are not the same race as them. And I think oh. in this country, we're obviously have, um, we've kind of hit this um, point where we're having all these uh, kind of really difficult conversations around race. Um, and so I am... I'm hopeful that that this is is, is is becoming a positive thing because I think uh, you know a lot of people like our generation. I think if you're kind of in your land, like late twenties, you know, thirties, mm-hmm. kind of whatever, um, our our families were much more. Um, we're, we're you know I think uh, the discussion of race in in our culture was a lot less um, you know like in depth, and people I think generally were just less aware, and yeah. um, so we just didn't have those conversations. And I think we're a lot of the fallout I see now. Um, with um, identity and, and all of that, I think yeah, parents nowadays are doing a better job of, of being aware of that and kind of having those difficult conversations and recognizing yeah. that, um, you know, unfortunately a lot of them are having this after they have adopted, but at least they're like taking the effort just to realize that like, oh, this is actually harder than just bringing some kid into my into my life and right. then saying he's part of the family or mm-hmm. she's part of the family and um, and then just kind of creating this bubble for them where we'll, we'll always protect them from sure. kind of all this stuff when... Um, you know, they're going to go out into the real world when I'm not there and people are going to call them names and, yep. you know, assume that they're from China or whatever, you know, exactly. whatever it is. Um, and, uh, and, and, and make, and make those steps. But unfortunately the, the real issue is that those conversations need to be happening before, you know, that parents need to decide yeah. like, yeah. um, that like, you know, if I'm adopting a child who's, who's black or um, Latino or Asian, like how, how many black friends do I have? Like how many Asian friends do I have? Right. How many people, you know, how, you know, um, how uncomfortable am I willing to be? Like, am I willing to move, you know, for my child? And, and I think those, those are all really important questions that, um, unfortunately, I don't think it, like, asked until after it's happened, yeah. when they kind of are hit with the reality that, it, you know, we can't just make a family by, um, you know, by loving our child. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not to say that, you know, once you've realized it, if you make efforts, then that's good. But um, but I think the bigger conversation is having that conversation beforehand. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think uh, with a lot of the adoption agencies, they don't see that um, either. They're not identifying that as being, um, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, there are almost no post-adoption services, really, for, like, you know. From yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think they do a couple of maybe, like, workshop things or something after, but there's really not a whole lot being offered um, in terms of post-adoption for, for parents, mm-hmm. right? And for adoptees, I you know, in terms of the span that international adoption has been going on, even post-adoption services for adoptees is relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all the camps, I mean, the mentorship program started up maybe – what a decade and a half yeah. ago or something it, it, yeah. honestly it's not <clears throat> it's not that long ago that we started focusing on these issues for adoptees and i think adult adoptees too are really the ones who are pushing these issues Absolutely. more than parents or, or other organizations yeah and you know and i think the thing is like with you know mentorship and kind of a lot of these post up it's because 
the adoptees became of an age where that they could then do that. There yeah. wasn't another. There wasn't someone outside who who said like, uh, like right. oh, you know, I think this. No, it was the adoptees saying like, we need this in mm-hmm. our community. We need you know, and either creating it themselves or pushing for you know other agencies to do that. So, did you have any of that growing up, or was it just sports and soccer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Um, you know, it's 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 just weird. To, it's like weird to think about like everything now through this lens of adoption, right? Because um, you know, at, at the time, it just was so not. Yeah, it wasn't at the radar. forefront. <laughs> yeah, it just was not something I ever really thought about. Like I, you know, I think I wrote about it in my um, in like my college application uh, uh-huh. about being adopted, but but <laughs> but only because I was like, I want to get in. Like this is like my like what makes me different. Well, what was that about? Um, I think I just, well, I mean, I think I talked a lot, I talked about, like, you know, being gay, I talked about being adopted, and just kind of, like, you know, um, finding out, you know, kind of who you are, um, you know, kind of through that, I think, you know, just generally, I I think with any sort of, um, like, identity-based stuff, I think, you know, especially when it's something so apparent as, um, you know, like, race, like, how you look, uh, I think, you know, we we're forced to kind of deal with some stuff a lot sooner than yeah. I think a lot of other people are um, yeah. because, you know, people are constantly pointing it out to you. Um, yes. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I think I wrote a little bit about, and I mean, this was a long time ago, <laughs> uh, but I, I just kind of wrote about like, you know, how, um, you know, I just, it, it had helped me kind of like mature and grow to have to, to have to go through this, um, you know, and, and yeah. kind of um, process and, and kind of give me some direction on, you know, what I wanted to study and kind of whatever. Not that I'm doing anything related to my degree now. What, what was your, what did you study in college then? Uh, so I studied philosophy and political science. Okay. Um, with the intent of going to law school. And then you didn't go to law uh, Yeah, that's a whole other... I mean, I... I you got halfway through college I have, and said, I have a, screw well, that. Well, no, so I, I have... I um, mean, not to go on a complete tangent, but I... Um, no, tangents I, are good. I have, I, have, uh, I have applied to law schools three times. Uh-huh. Um, I have got, I've, I've gotten into a school that I planned on going to and deferred for a year and then ultimately didn't go. Okay. Um, so... Do, do you want to say which school? <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, it was Loyola Marymount in, uh, in L.A., uh-huh. And um, I was living in uh, in New Orleans at the time, and um, and ultimately I think it was the right decision to not go. Uh, but at the time, I made the decision based off of my um, my partner at the time was just finishing up law school, uh-huh. and um, and uh, kind of just seeing everything he was going through, uh, I just was like, I don't think this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I don't think um, the cost and the stress and... and uh, just wasn't worth it. Yeah, I didn't think it was worth it. And, you know, uh, and at the time, I maybe didn't have the right reasons to because I was also kind of just like, um, you know, he took a job up here in New York, which is why I ended up here in New York. And I was like, well, if I move back to LA, then, like, you know, we're not going to be together and blah, blah, because I'm an idiot and you're young and you make stupid decisions. Everybody <laughs> makes those decisions, right? Um, Kids, but, if you're uh, listening, yeah. don't go to college yeah. or relocate for yeah, a significant Yeah, yeah never relocate unless when you're like 20. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, unless there's a ring on it. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you have to say like, so like I ended up in New York and yeah. I ended up getting involved with AKA and, you know, and, and he actually is the reason why I got involved with AKA was, was literally because, um, and I think I've told the story to a couple of people, but, uh, we had literally just broke up and I was looking for like reasons to get out of my apartment so that I wouldn't like uh-huh. lay in bed all day and like, cry. Um, that is so sad. <laughs> um, and so I found this event, like this AK was doing this happy hour. Um, uh, yeah, we and do I was, a lot of those. And I was like, I was like, like, oh, you know, like whatever. It's some people. It's an excuse to like get out of my apartment. And so how did how did you hear about it? Initially? I was literally just googling like things to do. Like I was like, uh, you know, was, like, it came okay. up on Google. Yeah, like I um, I googled like I don't remember what 
I Googled, but I was Googling things like, oh, like, you know, Asian American, like, networking or, like, you know, uh, gay professionals or, like, just kind of all this stuff. And somehow I came across this thing that was literally, like, oh, tomorrow night they're having this thing. So I was like, okay, I'll, like, you know, I'll go to, I'll go to this thing. And, was that McFadden's? Um, <laughs> It was it was in the the West Village somewhere kind of NYU. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember the name of the bar, but um, but I went and um, I ended up meeting uh, Luke McQueen. I don't, know I don't if think I know who he is. Um, but um, I met him, and he was kind of like uh, he was kind of going through this whole like life change. Like he was moving to Korea and oh, wow. all stuff. He yeah. like he was quitting his job and kind of like um, and. Uh, and so, like at that time, and he and he's a few years older than me. So at that time, it was kind of good to meet someone else who was like kind of like in a similar life place, but also kind of just like starting over and you know whatever. Yeah. And then I met um, uh, a couple of other adoptees who I thought were really interesting. Someone had mentioned that there were like had Korean language classes going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it's another excuse to get out of my apartment so I don't hang myself. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it was. Was it that serious? It was literally that bad. It was really just Jeez. like I was just trying to I was just trying to find things to just be like. Just you just got to keep busy and like you know yeah. was, you know it's kind of one of those things like um not to get into my personal relationships but you know like he was one of the first person that was like you know I think this is it this is the one like I like yeah. picked up and moved and we were together for several years and um and then when it like ended uh you know you start to realize like how much of your identity was based off of like this yeah. other person and kind of how much of your life is dictated by this other person was he an adoptee too or? no no not an adoptee um very uh <laughs> it's a very Freudian. Uh, he's very conservative, uh, very much like my dad. <laughs> oh. uh, but, uh, and yeah, you know, and I look back at it now, like he, you know, conversations with him about race and things were really just like, he just did not get it. And he was, he's white. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and so, uh, but anyway, so that's in the past. <laughs> that was several years ago, several years removed now. Um, but, uh, that's what kind of brought me to New York. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, so yeah, so there's some definitely some positive stuff that came from that. Like, you know, I'm in a place now where, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, I got involved with a lot of other stuff. I think, um, you know, um, getting involved with the adoptee community, uh, while I still don't necessarily feel like I, uh, fully, you know, identify with a lot of the kind of like, uh, internal struggles that a lot of the people in our community go through. Um, like what? Um, like it probably just a lot with, um, I think a lot of people, I meet a lot of people like in the 20s and 30s who are just kind of coming to terms with like being Korean or being Asian mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, experiencing, you know, Korean food and, and kind of understanding yeah. like what Asian culture is about. Um, and for me, you know, while it might not have been like Korean, um, you know, I grew up with the whole like, you know, you take off your shoes when you go in the house. Yeah. Like, you know, just kind of like a lot of the kind of uh, Asian um, kind of cultural things about like you know, working hard and being played and kind of just a lot of the, the cultural stuff that um, I think, you know, Americans don't necessarily like. You that was know, like instill. instilled by your mother. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I can, I understand a lot. I have a lot more, I feel like uh, I have a little more insight into some of the, you know, um, you know, the cultural things about, you know, kind of like respect and kind of, you know, yeah. the, you know, hierarchy of, you know, honoring your elders and kind of just things like that, that, um, that I, I felt a lot of people are kind of just now figuring mm-hmm. out or, you know, once they're kind of surrounding themselves um, with, you know, with Korean people or Asian people or, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, it takes a little bit of patience to kind of, you, yeah. know, you know, to, to recognize that not everybody had that experience mm-hmm. and was able to kind of live that. Um, and, um, and then also just, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing too when I think about, um, 
you know, I think uh, they've done, you know, tons of studies that, you know, obviously with um, not just international adoption, but adoption in general, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, children who are adopted and, and grownups as well, um, you know, obviously when they grow up, but uh, tend to have higher rates of things like, you know, attention deficit disorder and kind of just mental health problems. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I, you know, I had always kind of, so like I, um, like I was like adult diagnosed with ADD, um, and uh, and I was on medication for a while, and uh-huh. um, but uh, but I, I kind of struggle with this thing. At well, how much of this has to do with adoption, and how much of this yeah. is just kind of like the other stuff in your life, like right? The, you yeah. know that. Um, is it because we're in a hyper connected world and we always have a phone to yeah, look at? Yeah, or, <laughs> you know, or what? Or you know, what? You know, like I, you know, I think um, you know, we obviously, and, and you can say this, I guess, about any group, but you know. Um, about you know being prone to like uh, depression or having suicidal thoughts or just kind of not you know you know whatever it is yeah um, you know I, I I'm just not a fan of kind of blaming one thing for sure. yeah. kind of whatever all your problems are but I also want to be cognizant that like there are there are, you know there is legitimacy to this as well mm-hmm. you know that like you know it's okay to um, to be angry about you know kind of the circumstances and things that happened to you that you mm-hmm. didn't have. Um, that you didn't have control over, but at the end of the day, I also feel like, um, you know, sometimes, uh, and I think some of this might be also kind of social conditioning is that like, um, we kind of dwell on that and we don't find a way to fix it. And, and like, we kind of like, we become this victim, this perpetual victim of like, I'm blaming my adoption. I'm blaming my, my adoptive parents for kind of screwing me up. And, um, and that may be true, but then at the end of the day, it's like, well, then how am I going to move on with my life? How are you going to rise yeah. above that? Yeah, like, how am, you know, and I, you know, and I don't realize it's, it's like, it's not a fairness thing. Like, it's not fair that you have to, or that we have to um, do more to kind of like be at the same level, or at least what we perceive other people um, as being on. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, you know, and that's another th- a thing that I, you know, I, I'm not a mental health provider and that's just kind of my personal views and i'm sure like a, you know a psychiatrist or psychologist would probably like be like you're just totally fucked up like well we're gonna talk <laughs> with the psychologist about yeah but all uh, these issues yeah but that, i mean that is one of the things too that i want to like look like yes we can have these conversations and you know sometimes i go to you know the forums and i you know i see like how you know angry people are or how hurt they are mm-hmm. and i and that's totally legitimate and i you know and it and it, and it kind of pains me to see you know grown people kind of you know uh, going through this um, but I think just also, and it might just be my personality. It's like, it's like, okay, so we've acknowledged that now what? Like, you yeah. know, like, you know, we can't just live the rest of our lives kind of being like, in anger. Yeah. 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 And, uh, um, and, um, and I think there's benefit to it and I think they do a lot of good stuff, but I, I see a lot of kind of like this, like angry adoptee voice out there. Sure. These people are kind of like attacking birth families and attacking, um, adoption agencies and attacking, you know, policies and, and a lot of, in a lot of cases, I think they're right. Like, I think what they're you know what they're doing what they're saying is um is is correct and is taking us in the right direction but then you know the way they're going about it and some of you know some of the stuff behind it you know i kind of question well there's constructive acting out and trying to do something about it and then there's like throwing a raw egg at for the whole yeah yeah it's like that's not really helping and i think largely you know most uh, most people i think even some of the more extreme um kind of like voices or activists um there is there is there is good stuff there, so it's right. so I have a hard time kind of you know saying like don't say that, but uh, but but you know but it is also kind of the like you know it comes down to like you know unfortunately you have to play the game you mm-hmm. know and if and if you know and by us like alienating 
our you know our adoptive families or adoption agencies we're just never going to get to that point where yeah. we can like actually create some sort of positive um you know out- outcome from this and um mm-hmm. i think there there should be a venue or an avenue for us to kind of voice our you know discontent um but then at the end of the day we have, we have to leave the door open to, to actually right. like fix things yeah well, I think, and there's a lot of organizations out there that are trying to do that kind of work, right? Like ICA mm-hmm. is trying to do stuff like that. The uh, International uh, Adoptee Congress, right? Yeah. Um, and they are actually, yeah. I've heard, you know, I don't know how much they're doing, but um, now, but they're doing a lot of work in Korea, changing the laws about uh, getting your dual citizenship for Korea, right? And all right. This stuff. So, uh, on some fronts, they're making a lot of progress, and I think on other fronts, there's only so much you can do. Like, what is can you mandate by law that an adoptive organization uh, or an adoptive agency uh, needs to keep the files open like all the time when there are birth families who want them shut or private right. and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, and then you know, and, and I think that the bigger overall thing is um, is this that like anything to do with adoption is it's 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 difficult it's just hard yeah like i think you just have to go in knowing that like everything is going to be a little bit harder mm-hmm. like it's you know it's um you know i saw a discussion recently about it was um kind of two sides of the coin where one it was um the adoptive parents had found uh, the uh the birth mother of their adopted child who was like eight or nine or something like that um when they had thought that she was dead uh, mm-hmm. or like or when they weren't able to contact her and so they were questioning on whether they should um create some sort of contact with her just to um to provide that avenue in case their child ever wanted to reach out to her in the future yeah um and um then the response from one of the adoptees was like that's not your right to do it's the child's um, you know, the child should be the one that if they want to find their parents, then they should be the mm-hmm. one who, to initiate that and kind of and go that route. And then on the flip side, they were saying, but like, um, but the, you know, the parents have this obligation to set this up for their child so that it's possible mm-hmm. in the future. And, 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 you know, it's just kind of one of those things that like, I think everyone's going to have a different, and yeah, there's the not a right of, answer. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like as the adoptive parent, you, you will just have to make a decision, you yeah. know, and, 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 and that's kind of something that I've learned about my parents, you know, kind of as I've, um, somewhat matured. <laughs> uh, it's just that, like, at the end of the day, you do realize that, like, you know what, my parents did the best that they could, or they, they did the best mm-hmm. they could with the resources they had um, and the decisions that they were making. And, you know, obviously not everything that they do is, is right. And, you know, you know, hindsight, you know, it's twenty twenty, but um, it, it makes it a little easier to kind of forgive them, of, you know, for a lot of things mm-hmm. if you can recognize that, like, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a clear cut, like, you yeah. know, like do this and don't do this, and your kid will be fine. Yeah, you know. there's there's plenty of books, but it's like yeah. there's no right answers in yeah. any of them. Do you feel like they had a a tough time uh, talking with you openly about adoption or any of those issues? I think just everything. I think we were just never really, you know, um, and I haven't done enough. Uh, like I guess like internal reflection and you know kind of what not to do well it sounds like you did a little bit at least for your college essay yeah yeah, a little bit but but i guess in the sense like looking back on it now like i don't know um and i guess you know all the kind of psychology behind it like i don't know if i ever really like bonded with my parents Mm -hmm. um i think um we had uh i mean there are definitely moments of you know we you know i obviously care about them and, and 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 whatnot but i don't we were never like a physically affectionate family like we didn't really talk about like deeper issues mm-hmm. um you know uh like 
since I came out to my parents, uh, we have not had a, a direct conversation about like me being gay or about anyone I'm dating or anything like yeah. that. Um, they kind of just choose to not discuss it. And in some ways it works for us because we're able to have like a, a you know, a, mm-hmm. a somewhat of a relationship. Um, but, um, and I think it was a similar thing with adoption. It was just, it's such a difficult conversation. They just didn't want to have it. And as long as I seemed like I was like, okay, they, they didn't really see it. It wasn't an issue. Yeah. They didn't see a need to, um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and now I, you know, I'm at this point where, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot because I've always kind of said, like, I don't really have any desire to, like, you know, try to find my birth family or do mm-hmm. much of a birth family search. Um, but as I get older, I start to think that, like, well, what if I decide that I want to, you know, 10, 15 years from now, um, you know, chances are maybe it might be too late. Like, you know, my parents might be, you know, my birth parents may be dead or, you know, mm-hmm. you just, you know, any time you, you create more time between, um, you know, there's more time for things to get lost. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, I kind of think like, you know, should I start some sort of preliminary search just to kind of keep it in my back pocket in case I decide uh-huh. in the future it's something I want. But, um, but again, that would all be stuff that I would need to like approach my parents about and then just discussions we've never had. Yeah. Oh, so you you would want to talk about that with your parents? Well, I mean, in the sense that, like, um, I know they have information. I know they have files. Uh-huh. Um, they haven't I, shown them to you? Yeah, they haven't shown them to me. I've never asked for them. Okay. So it's not, it's not like they're, I don't think they're, like, you know, if I asked them, like, can you just give me everything related to my adoption? Like, yeah. They know, would do I, it. I don't think they, I think they would. Uh, I mean, because, you know, at one point, I, um, I had lost my social security card, and I had to apply for a new one, and... Um, just several years ago and um and that was the first time i had to ask them i was like oh like what was my birth name because i have to put down like what was your alias um and i always like forget too because (laughs) i use it so so infrequently but it's uh it's kukyun chang okay chang kukyun whatever um and um yeah so that was kind of the first time i like saw my like korean name because you know you get like a new birth certificate and everything when you come over and so you know that's which is you know obviously like all live but (laughs) uh but you know so uh so yeah so that was kind of the first time that i actually had to like you know do even just Mm -hmm. you know a modicum of kind of get some history on yeah on whatnot so i mean i know they have it and i you know it's kind of uh i you know in some ways i feel like we have uh we have bigger issues to deal with than like than that what what are the bigger issues do you mind Uh, saying yeah, I mean, you know, it's pro- so probably more divisive than any any of that stuff is definitely, you know, my, my parents are very, um, you know, socially, politically, everything conservative. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're very religious, and I grew up in a really religious household. And, um, you know, when I uh, when I came out, they... Uh, like Protestant or Catholic? Uh, well, they're ca- so we were non-denominational Christian when I was growing up. And uh-huh. then um, my, my father grew up Catholic, and then my mom converted to Catholicism when I was in college. Oh, okay. Um, largely, I think, because she needed something more extreme. <laughs> Um, and, um, yeah, so they, they've always had a difficult time kind of acknowledging, um, like anything that has to do with kind of that part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll ask me about my job and kind of, you know, uh, like how the weather is or, you know, just kind of how I'm doing health Like small talks. Yeah. Though. But, um, you know, uh, and kind of the real kicker for me, and this is kind of when our, like kind of the bigger divide happened was like, so when I went through my breakup, um, with my ex, uh, you know, uh, it was a really difficult, it was probably like the probably one of the worst kind of periods in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, to the point where, and we don't have a relationship like this at all, but I reached out to them and kind of like wrote them this really, really long email just about like, look, I'm like really struggling. Like, you know, I, you know, it was, I was kind of having these like depressive episodes where I was like calling out of work and I just couldn't like, you know, I just couldn't get my shit together. And, um, and I think that was like the first time probably since I was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 that I like really was asking my parents, like I need help. Like I just need 
I don't like I don't even know what I need, but I need yeah. you know even if it's just for you to get say like it's gonna be okay or whatever it is. Sure. Um, and so you know like the next day I get an email back from my dad, um, <clears throat> and the first line of the email says, um, "Your mom and I are glad to hear that you're doing well. Um, <laughs> your cousin is expecting a baby in July. Like blah blah blah." And like wrote this like you know, and it, it was kind of this thing where like they have just so closed off that yeah. they like cannot acknowledge that yeah. like anything is. Um, you know, and then there was a little bit of a crack in the door a little bit later on, which, which I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. Then a few months later, because you know, um, I kind of stopped talking to them because I was just like so upset. Yeah, um, yeah, understandable. Yeah, they sent me this email about like it was like so. There's some organization somewhere here on the East Coast, and it's like for like gay Catholics, but it's it's this thing about basically they read this whole thing like it's okay to be gay. But you just have to, you have to be celibate. You have to like, you know, like, oh. go to these, like you, you know, you go to these like trainings out in the woods about like, you know, Great, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, you know, this kind of our twisted relationship. I was like, well, at least they're acknowledging that that's like a thing, even though this is really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, at least not one of those like gay conversion. Yeah. Therapy it was, yeah I mean, it was, it was like, like, you can be gay. You just can't act on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, uh, Jeez. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and it's, again, as I've like gotten older, it's, it's easier for me to kind of look and see like, look, like, you know, they've spent a lifetime kind of in the church and with religion and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, brought, it's been, it's, it's, it's hard for them to change. And, and I struggle with like, is that even something that I want to like pick that battle? Like at this point in their lives. Like, so you were raised pretty religious. Did, were you yeah. religious yourself? Oh, I was like, and that was the thing is I was super religious. Like I did like, um, uh, you know, I did like church on the weekends and then I did like youth group stuff during the week and yeah like, I did the same yeah, thing and I like you yeah know, I, I was the kid I was the kid who like did the homework like I memorized the bible verses yep. and yeah. I did every you know I did everything and you know largely a part of it was because you know I was struggling kind of with my sexuality and I kind of felt like you know um by overcompensating with this like I could you know figure it out but by the time I hit 15 like um you know I was one of those kids who like from very early age, people were, were like, "That kid's gonna be gay." <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, you know, it was. It was what, almost, were, what were the signs? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't even know, but I think just uh, for me, it's just, it's just, just I don't know, my personality or how I talk or, yeah. or whatever it was. Um, and um, and uh, and I went to private school for a really long time too, and so. Was it I, like a Catholic private school? Uh, it was actually a Lutheran. School. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of similar, but um, and. Uh, you know, and I didn't even, I don't even think we really understood what that meant. Like, you know. Lutheranism? But, or... No, 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 no. Like, you know, like being gay was, or just kind of like being different or something, you know. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, so, you know, but, uh, but by the time I was like kind of in my teens and it was like pretty obvious, it was like, oh, I'm like really not interested in girls. Um, <laughs> uh, you tried and you were like, yeah, no, I'm I not even, really I didn't even really this. try. I was just kind of like, yeah, it's just not. Not just for not me. Not my cup of tea. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, even like yeah, tea. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, I mean, uh, you know, not to get, get on that topic too much, but uh, in a lot of ways, it was actually good because it's like once I came out, it became this thing of like, well, I like people like in high school and stuff too, like they, you know, and I, I was generally like, you know, I wasn't like, my high school wasn't like terrible, you know, like I think a lot of people have like really bad high school experiences, but mine wasn't like that bad. But uh, but especially I think after I came out, it became this thing that's like, well, it's not an insult to call him gay anymore, so. I don't know. So then everyone was kind of okay. Were people doing that before you yeah, came out? Yeah, but yeah, you know, um, and uh, you know, and I, you know, I was lucky. Like, you kind of growing up in Southern California, where it's a relatively liberal. Like, people kind of knew. Like, I, yeah. I didn't really have any friends who were like, um, like, oh, we're not gonna be your friend anymore, or you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had a pretty okay time, kind of after that. Um, 
So coming out with it actually helped you out in high school. Yeah, yeah, it freed you up. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, I think it did. And and again, it, it was kind of that thing of like having to kind of like having those like conversations with myself in my head. Yeah. Um. At like such a young age, like I think really helped me. Like you know, by the time I got to college, like I felt like I was like pretty comfortable. Yeah, I felt like pretty comfortable with who I was, and um, you know, I mean, looking back on like at eighteen year old me, I'm still like, oh my god, like what's wrong? Well, every, with you? Everybody does that. <laughs> like, what is right? wrong with you? But but yeah, but in a lot of ways too, like I think you know, it prepared me to. Um, you know, to, to kind of deal with a lot of kind of more difficult things that a lot of people hadn't dealt mm-hmm. with, um, you know, yet. And, but, you know, by, by this point in our kind of people who are kind of in our age range now have obviously kind of lived that experience. But, right. um, but for me, like I had to do it at such a young age that I, you know, um, I'm fortunate that I, I kind of had that time to, to do it and that, mm-hmm. and that, you know, it was kind of best case scenario. Like, you know, I know, I know people who, you know, either, uh, are adopted, but have completely, um, have no contact with their families at all because of whatever experiences they had right. or, or people who have come out and their parents have completely, you know, or their families have completely disowned yeah, them. Yeah. And so, um, I have to be, you know, somewhat thankful that I, you know, that kind of my environmental factors were not as bad as they could have been. Yeah. Uh, I, but, you know, I guess on the scale. Yeah. On, on the scale. It's and, not you know, so and, you know, and on the, and again, on the other side, like, you know, if I ever found like my like you know journals from when I was a teenager, like I would just oh my god, I was so they, like angsty. I was so angsty. I was like so like, such emo. an emo kid. Oh dude, I had like I always had like the lip piercing, like the yeah. long like, hair, like over my, you know, like it was, uh, it was yeah. Ugh. Were, those, were those the signs you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just oh my gosh. I, I Wait, so you had a lip piercing in a I, Lutheran I had, private no, 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 high school? Well, no, so like um, well, so no high school I went to public school. Oh okay. Um, but um, and which is funny because I I secretly think that my parents switched me out of private school because they thought I was like too soft, and they thought I needed to like toughen up a bit. So they sent you to public so, school. So, so, so to to public school. Um, and uh, but uh, no, no no so like I uh, I got my tongue pierced I think when I was in high school, um, but then like in was college, it a secret? Did you do it like behind your parents? Oh, back? I got it like we went to to Venice Beach and like I got it like on the boardwalk <laughs> from drunk some or shady high? Like, like whatever like. Um, well, so and that's that's a whole other thing that you know, like I wonder how much adoption had to play. I always thought it was more of like coming out, but um, so I um, I'm sober now, so I don't drink, and um, my vices were much more were more in line with um, with uh, substances. So I had a lot of issues with drugs, kind of like when I was younger and kind of through college and then beyond college and. I wasn't until my late twenties that I kind of like it was like oh my god you're complete fuck up stop. Um, did you did you do that yourself? Uh, it I mean it was it was myself it was but it was also kind of like my environmental factors uh, um, you know or not environmental factors but like a lot of stuff had happened like uh, the my the day that I decided that I was I was done was uh, it was actually I was living in New Orleans and it was uh, right after Mardi Gras. And I was I was in my bathroom. Uh, I had thrown up like all over the place because uh, we just had this like crazy night. And it's Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of just had this thing where I was like, as like I, you know, and I was at this point in my job too, where like I knew I was gonna get fired because I was just like showing up late and just kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. And, like um, you know, it's like my life is kind of just, just like it's this constant mess. Like I just feel like I'm like picking up all these like pieces constantly of trying to like figure stuff out. Um, and so. Um, so yeah, so it's been, uh, it'll be five years in March. Wow, man. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, you know, I also, it can become, again, becomes one of those things like, you know, how much do like adoption have to play with that? Like, you know, they they do say like addiction is, is something that is, you know, is more prevalent in, in adoptees. And, 
Um, and while I, there probably is been some benefit in kind of identifying what the root causes are, at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, I had a problem. I like went and like got help and like, you know, stopped. And so like, I don't know if it really matters why it happened. If now I'm like, I've kind of fixed it and moved on. Well, not, not necessarily that I fixed it because recovery is like a, is an ongoing thing. Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. Like, you well, know, five years, you're doing good. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, there've been, um, you know, there've been some 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 lapses here and there, and uh, you know, and at the end of the day, you kind of have to forgive yourself for kind of making mm-hmm. those mistakes. And it's something that, like, you know, it's going to be a struggle for the rest of my life. But, um, but generally, you know, because you know, after that, like, I got into this like serious relationship, which which then became like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But, um, but yeah, but I mean, you know, like since then, I feel like you know I've been much more on like uh, much on a, a better track. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, there's still kind of some ripple effects from, like, as you, like I feel like, you know, career-wise and um, in some ways personally, too, I'm a little stunted. Like, I kind of lost a couple years um, in there. Like, you know, my early 20s, like, my, my early 20s actually didn't really happen until my late 20s because mm-hmm. I had spent so much time just kind of screwing around. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't know how rare of a story that is, though, right? <laughs> like, everybody you know, has a lot of fuck-ups yeah. you know, in their life that probably stop it from moving forward for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting, like, you know, you know, with, um, I, a lot of my friends tend to be a few years younger than me just because I mm-hmm. feel like we're kind of in the same place, like, um, you know, when it comes to kind of where we are, like, in our headspace. Yeah. Because I, cause I feel like I'm just now starting to be, like, you know, when I hit 30, I was like, oh, you should really be, like, adulting now. <laughs> Everybody says that, but I'm like, you know, people ask me my age, and, like, 30 isn't the number that comes to mind, yeah. like, immediately. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, not at all. Like, like it's yeah. still, like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, yeah, 23, 24, yeah. and it's like, no, I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, no, I mean, things are, you know, and, again, that's, you know, it's, it's all part of the journey. And I think and that's probably one of the, the, the best gifts that I've gotten from being involved with the adoptee community is, mm-hmm. is um, I think among the adoptees, like everyone has this story that they're, um, and um, I think uh, they're so open to talking about it and kind of, so it's real, so interesting to just meet all these different people. And, um, you know, while we have these similar similarities, like, yes, we were all adopted, but then, but then kind of from there, our lives completely diverge and you hear yeah. like kind of all the stuff that they've gone through and the things that they do. And, mm-hmm. um, you know how for some people it like um, it really drove them and they you know became super successful because it was just constantly like trying to prove themselves and yeah. for other people it, you know in some ways it kind of broke them it like mm-hmm. you know it was something that they've always struggled with and, and just not been able to figure out and um, you know I think uh, that that's where I see like you know the importance of having also known as is as just as um, you know aside from kind of from the programming and it's just uh, kind of existing and just as like bring people together to to recognize that. Um, there is support out there if you want it, um, you know, on whatever level it is, whether it is just meeting people and superficially, like, being able to say, like, I have Korean friends, right? Sure. No other adoptees. Yeah. Um, or actually, have, you know, finding resources to, you know, like, I need help. Like, I need, mm-hmm. um, you know, mental health help or I need to, or I want to do research on this or I want to, you know, help the next generation, you know, with, like, mentorship or something like that. So, um so, yeah, so I, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to be a part now of, of AK and be able to uh, be a part of that journey for other people and, um, and, and, and also kind of have that journey on my own. Although I still, I still in a lot of ways kind of feel, and I think it was the same thing with like being an adult. Like I still feel like I'm like pretending, like I'm like pretending to be the president of AKA. Like, no man, like, you're it. You're the president. You're the president. <laughs> yeah. Like pretending to, to like, you know, be some sort of authority on adoption and, um, you know, and, and I, you know, and I try to be really clear with a lot of, cause you know, we get approached by a lot of, um, 
other agencies or people who are doing like academic research and kind of one of the first things I always tell them is like this is totally not scientific this is not research this is just <laughs> what I've seen and what I feel and it's purely quality yeah yeah so um and then hopefully you know they they take that into consideration and they'll be like oh well the president of also known as you know says that all adoptees are you know xyz but well I think it's awesome, and I'm glad that you're a part of AK and you're the yeah. president. I think you've set a good vision forward. Yeah, I think I, this is the first time we've I've heard the term five year strategy <laughs> come out of any board retreat. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, it's it's one of the things that we we've grown to a point where like you know we can we're having this huge 20th anniversary and we have the funds and these programs and. Um, you know, I think at, at one point it was a very, like, everybody was kind of flying by the seat of their pants and like, mm -hmm. you know, it was just, everyone was just kind of like, I can do this and I can do that and I'll fix this and, you know, and it was very reactionary and I think we're at a point now where we're established enough and we have enough people involved who, um, uh, can really create some more, some more structure for the organization yeah. and kind of take us in that new direction. And, um, I mean, I think it's even just like little things like we just recently got a Twitter, um, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's just like it's uh, it's just getting us caught up with kind of like with the real yeah. world and, and, yeah. and then also you know reaching outside of our community I think you know and, and really taking advantage of, mm -hmm. of um, what else is out there because I mean you know I, I say even for myself kind of with my history with like I didn't initially come to AKA for the kind of like adoption stuff like sure. you know I you know, I, I, mean, I came for completely different reasons, but, but I mean, there are people like that, you know, someone who maybe just moves to the city who it's not about like, you know, delving into their identity. It's just mm -hmm. about like meeting a group of people and making some friends. Yeah. Um, and, and if something more comes from that, which I, a lot of times I see does happen, you know, mm -hmm. whether they want to or not, I think myself <laughs> included, uh, then that's great. We're going to uh, force you onto the board. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, we'll tie you down. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, again, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to kind of be in the position that I'm in and be involved at, at a time where, um, where AK is so strong and, you know, we're moving forward. Yeah. And I think with all the things that you've outlined in terms of uh, the various programs and reaching out and networking mm -hmm. and kind of strengthening the base of the organization as well, you know, I think AK still has a bright future ahead of it beyond our 20 year anniversary coming up. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think it's just going to be a kickoff for kind of a new, a new era. Yeah. You know, I think we'll bring in some new people. I think, you know, we'll hopefully re-energize some people who've been involved. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, uh, one of the big things and, uh, and not to take this on to another, uh, whole other thing is, uh, one, one of the things that we were talking about now is I think with adoption becoming more, um, you know, part of the dialogue and kind of race issues and things like that, it's, you know, AK has never been, um, you know, we've been a more we've been a direct service organization much more than we have like an advocacy group mm -hmm. um but uh i at least i have seen kind of in my time here that um the calls for us to step up as advocates is increasing um and so we have to kind of decide how we want to handle that like do we want to become you know not that we can become a political organization because we are a nonprofit, but like at what point do we step in and support legislation that is um you sure. know, pro adoption or um, you know, or speak against legislation that we feel is like you know hurts our community, and um, and it's it's uh, it's it's, a, it's it's another kind of one of the things like again, kind of going back to the theme that adoption is hard. You know, a lot of these 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 conversations are hard because you know while I might personally think that um, someone's voice or someone's opinion or petition or whatever policy that they're trying to implement is good for our community, um, we as an organization also have to deal with um, both sides, and mm -hmm. so it's like. Do we alienate all the birth families to, to have a voice for, you know, um, the yeah. adoptees? Um, or do we try to step back and say that's just not what our role is? Our role is just to be here to support the adopt adoptees um, and, you know. 
So is this the direction you see AK going in the future? I don't future? know. I, that's, uh, honestly, it's one of those things like I struggle with. I just I don't I don't know what the right answer is um, because I think um, like I said like we're con- we're getting more and more um, uh, we're being approached more and more by people who are saying like hey like I'm getting this petition signed for X like you know can AK would will AK be willing to support mm-hmm. it or not even just support it but even just like promote it like you know we would po- post it somewhere sure um you know and uh like there's situations with, like the adam crasper you know deportation yeah, issue yep. which um you know you know a lot of people have opinions on and um you know and and in some cases if, if we are trying to be kind of like a preeminent um adoptee led for mm-hmm. adoptee organization um i feel that we will at some point have to step in and, and and get involved with these kind of kinds of things but then it's also finding that that road of like but we're not, um, you know, a political action committee. We're, yeah, we're not yeah. designed to be, um, you know. Um, but if that ends up being what is needed, then, then you know, then we kind of have to reassess. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking <laughs> yeah, well, for a thank- while. Yeah, thanks for having me. Do you feel good about it? Yeah, no. I mean, hopefully there wasn't. I wasn't too all over the place. I mean, I, no. I, I love. I mean, it's called the Rambler. It's yeah. supposed to be. Centered around adoption, but really like kind of all over the place because, you know, I mean, you know, everybody I want to interview is going to be somehow connected to adoption, whether adoptive parents or prospective Mm -hmm. parents or psychologists who specialize in this or whatever. But, you know, it's not something like we're not just adoptees, right? Mm -hmm. We're so many different identities all kind of rolled into one person. Mm Um, as individuals and, and uh, you know I think this will be interesting because your story is interesting I think everybody's got a very interesting diverse story like you said every adoptee is so different mm-hmm. where they come from and how they were raised and oh, those stories are really interesting yours is very interesting as well yeah well so, I, I hope so hopefully is. whoever was listening to this didn't fall asleep already so. no they're, they're, they're all everybody's on board alright well thanks man yeah, alright well thanks Mike alright alright All right, how about that? That was Danny Maori. Huh? He's a nice guy, huh? That was pretty good. All right, well, uh, I appreciate everybody here listening to the the first inaugural pilot. I guess it's a pilot episode of The Rambler. I know maybe we're not competing in sweeps or anything. We're just kind of doing podcasting. We don't do sweeps in podcasting. Oh, I got a text. Who's that? Oh, that that was Anne. All right. Hey, uh, again, I appreciate everybody here listening to the podcast, and uh, please come back again. We're gonna—I think I'm gonna try to release these every Sunday. Every Sunday, I'm gonna try to release these. I'm gonna get a couple in the can here and release them on a time-release capsule every week, just like I need to take for Dayquil because I'm still sick. Hope you didn't forget about that. I'm sure you didn't. All right, on uh, next week's podcast, we'll be talking with uh, A.K. Salin, a Danish adoptee who's opened up a cooking studio in Seoul, Korea. Yeah, I went to Korea for you guys. Just talk to her. It was a great conversation, and I hope you guys tune in next week. Until then, this is The Rambler signing out. Oh, 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 I almost forgot. I almost forgot. We're not signing out just yet. Uh, The music that you've been hearing has been courtesy of Apple and GarageBand, which I'm using to edit this. And uh, to be quite frank, uh, that's going to get old. It's going to get old really, really fast. So if uh, you know or are an artist that uh, makes music, uh, especially if you're an adoptee, uh, that would be really great. I need, I need uh, like a theme song. 
and some transition music. And uh, as as a reward for helping me out, or if you know somebody who's adopted who, who can provide these things, and you can help me out with a couple of tracks and, and things, uh, it would be appreciated. And I will interview you. Uh, we, we can do one of these interviews if you want. If you don't want, that's cool too. I get it. Not everybody wants to talk to me. I can be uh, annoying and sickly right now. Uh, and not everybody's prepared for that. But if you are and you want to uh, chat and provide me some music for the enjoyment of everybody else, and I will, I will say on every single podcast that this music is provided by this person, then please, please get in touch with me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Rambler ADHD. That's at the at sign for Twitter. You know what I mean? Uh, the Rambler ADHD. Uh, and you can email me at the Rambler ADHD at gmail.com. And you know what? If you want to write into the show and, and uh, share your story or get in touch with me for a future interview or whatever, then please email me, get in touch with me at both of those addresses. That's Twitter at the Rambler ADHD or Gmail. Uh, is uh, the rambler ADHD at gmail.com. So please, you can write in. Uh, if you want to share something with the world through this podcast, then uh, I will read your email on the air. If you have a gripe or something like that or a comment about the podcast that you'd like uh, aired, uh, please let me know. Also, please help me uh, get some music, please. Otherwise, it's going to get really boring. That being said, since uh, I don't have any sponsors or anything yet, I am going to do something unorthodox, which is to play a song at the end of the podcast until I do get sponsors, which means I need to get listeners first. Uh, but I'm going to end with songs that, you know, they may have royalties, but since I'm not making any money off of it, I don't I don't know if that's going to be an issue. I know other podcasts do it, so I'm going to go ahead and take a chance. Anyways, uh, this is a song by John Lennon, one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, called Mother, and it's a real Debbie Downer. So if you don't want to be, uh, <laughs> if you don't want to be subjected to that, then you can just stop listening now. But if you don't mind listening to some John Lennon, then and I encourage you to listen to John Lennon as much as possible. Then, uh, then keep listening. All right. Well, with that, uh, this is the Rambler, Mike McDonald, signing off. Thank you for listening. Bye. You didn't need
I just gotta tell it.